Hey, so we want to talk a little bit about uh, Creative Church Ministry, and we're going to try to bring all this together here. You, you hear Creative Church Ministry, I'm thinking what the heck is what I'm thinking right there, trying to break down all the pieces of what that means, because everybody in the room, uh, you might have a little bit different um, maybe role or position uh, at your church, or a different even uh, outlook on what that means. This is what we always say, though, um, a creative creator created creation. That's what we say. A creative creator created creation. That's kind of how we always, that's how we view this whole idea of creativity. Um, It's not really about us. Uh, We aren't that creative. It's not really about you. You're not that creative. But God within you, his spirit within you is pretty dang creative if he can take some dust and create this, us, um, in his image. And so we kind of want to talk a little bit about maybe some of the ways that we use creativity. I'd say this, if you have any questions, we'd want to leave a portion of time at the end um, in any way that we could uh, encourage you or answer any questions. Just please write them down as we go. And at, t- at the end, we want to leave some time. But let's start with uh, what is creativity? Because it's, it's yeah. vast and it's broad. I think we, to really get into this subject, you have to understand what you're talking about. And I think for a long time, I've honestly operated under a false assumption about what creativity is. And we've always said, you know, creative creator created creation. And we've always said that uh, Christians should be the most creative people on earth because we worship creator God, right? And that's an absolutely true fact. As long as you understand, um, as long as you have a biblically rooted definition of what creativity is. And I think that's what can often get off track in this subject is, if you really think about it, when is the last time that you made something? When is the last time you created something? See, maybe we can think back to like, you know, we wrote something down or we, we, we built, you know, we built a shed or something like that. But in all reality, what you were doing was not creating, it was assembling. What you were doing was taking the pieces that you were given and you were sticking it all together to make something slightly different. But it's still just a bunch of wood standing with metal screws through it. And I think the, the aspect of creation, the actual act of creation is reserved exclusively for God. Because he is the only one that can take nothing and make it something. All we can do is take something and make it something else, right? We're created beings. All we can do is repurpose. But the actual creator God is the one that exclusively creates. And I think there is an element of creativity that is so holy, that is so God-like, that it's something to be focused and stewarded very well. If you look at Hollywood, L.A., right, New York, like actors, directors, producers, uh, writers, some of the most arrogant people on planet Earth, right? People in the entertainment, in creative professionals are, can be some of the most arrogant, prideful people on Earth. And I think it's because this God complex comes out of creativity. And as soon as we have created something, we can look at it and go, I did that. I created that. And as long as we start with a biblically rooted foundation of what creativity is and is not, we can understand that what creativity is, and we're going to use the word creativity a lot today, so we want to make sure we understand the definition together, is what we believe creativity to really be, based on the Bible, is stewardship. Um, we are never going to make something new, right? We are never going to cre- create something from nothing. But what we can do is we can steward what God has given us to the absolute best of our ability. Uh, we can take what God has given us and purpose it in the way that he designated. You know, if you look at a farmer, he does not create his crops He stewards the soil and the seed accurately so that God produces a harvest. And I think that's really what, as church members or professionals or whatever we are, as people who want to see the body of Christ grow, I think you're in here because you understand the relevance and the the pertinence of creativity in our culture. Um, If you're not saying something slightly different, if you're not saying it in a creative way, most people don't want to listen anymore because we're bombarded with creativity all day long. And so I think what it really is, what we really want to talk about today is this idea of stewarding what God has given us in our churches, in our own personal lives, in our families, whatever it is, to to repurpose it into something that maybe your church has never seen or your community has never seen that can be new, that can be something they've never experienced, but it all comes through really focusing on stewarding what God's given us. And there is an untapped potential in the American church um, that that in in many ways is, is a sleeping beast waiting to be awake, awoken. Yeah, and, and we're going to do another session here at uh, one twenty something like that on film ministry. 
that is one of our outlets of creativity. That's one outlet. When you're talking about this vast word of creativity, I mean, you got women's ministry, you got men's ministry, you got kids' ministry, youth ministry, you got stage ministry, you got series and um, design, and you, I mean, it goes all over the place. So for you, it's really whatever ministry you're walking in with, kind of what I want Luke to talk about a little bit, it's like a need for creativity. And whatever your ministry is, there's a deep need for it. Yeah. Um, our creative ministry at our church is called Mainstay Creative, and to go off of what Steve was saying um, about creativity, our, our mission statement is Mainstay Creative is the visual and audible representation of the move of God in our church. We, ser- we skillfully serve to provide an atmosphere conducive to the work of the Holy Spirit. And um, just to go off of what he was saying, we, we don't create, we provide, we serve. Um, all for the greater purpose of allowing the Holy Spirit to do his, his work through our church. To show the world this is what our God is doing in our church. So that the world can see the, the flashing lights and the loud music, whatever it may be, so that we can reflect them to Jesus. It's not, it's not our opportunity to show off like our own skill, but it's our opportunity to show off our wondrous God. Um, and uh, we need that creativity in the church um, simply because, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest, our, our pastor, our, our dad, um, the way he raised us, we don't know any other way than to make church fun. Life is short. Like when, we, when we grew up, just to give you perspective, nine years old, we grew up in hell. <laughs> now I'm going to explain it. Uh, he would do productions like the Heaven and Hell productions, and he'd blow stuff up with pyro and Satan would shoot fireballs out of his hand. So I, as a kid, I grew up, we would chill in hell together. We would go in hell and like eat Doritos and hang out. Like that's how I mean, we... I was a middle child, so I literally grew up in hell. But <laughs> I mean, he's speaking more figuratively, but I mean, or we grew up walking, walking with Jesus into heaven. We grew hell up... was like basically these big doors that opened up so they with could throw people in. The demons threw and people in. And so it's just in. this basin lined with mattresses. And as a kid, I mean... Backflips all thing day long. Flips into it. I mean, so Giant foam pit. I mean, that's how we, like, that's, that's one way that, but that's, but that's how we grew up experiencing creativity. So yep. we, we really, like, I guess we do this thing called creativity, but you don't even think, think about it being, well, I got to get creative now. It's something where you finally let the Holy Spirit just kind of take over and you just let God flow through you. And I think there's an element to that too. If you look at like Paul, when he's, or I, Somewhere in the New Testament, don't quote me, but he speaks about this idea that now a deacon should be a man of one wife, right? You know that scripture? And if you think about that, he wasn't telling all these men who were of multiple wives to divorce their wives. What he was doing was he was setting up a precedent that now this new rule that's instated will create a new culture over time. And I think creativity in a church is very much sticks to that principle that a lot of times we want to immediately see creativity and we want to we want to we want to be elevation and we want to be hillsong right now right well we have to start somewhere and you have to be willing to be the person that's willing to like put in the hard work that maybe doesn't get to see the promised land to a, to a certain degree that maybe sees it grow in certain respects as years go on and and the seed has been planted in us very young and for those that didn't have that privilege the seed is still waiting to be planted it's it's still there and i think especially looking at creativity from this aspect of stewardship specifically, what it can do is it can take a lot of a pressure off of us because if you're trying to be creative and you're trying to make something new, that is burdensome, right? That is you constantly introspective, constantly looking inward, constantly trying to figure out, okay, what's the next thing I can do? What's the, what's the next big thing I can do? What do I got? What do I got? And instead, what stewarding that puts it off on is it goes from you looking into you looking out and looking out into the body of Christ that God has surrounded you with and going, what are you capable of? What could you do? Like, what, what do I see in you? Like, what could we do collectively? And, and looking at it from that perspective, the seed can be planted that could grow into who knows what, right? Billy Graham started as a guy who just got saved, right? And then what happened? And then he changed the world as some knew it. And I think we are, we are privileged to be part of a generation that is hungry to be creative, that is hungry to see something happen differently than they've seen it their entire lives. And as the creative pastor at our church, there's an extreme pressure that I fight a lot. You got to be creative. And on top of that, I'm a perfectionist. So it's he's, a, he's a little bit CDO. Oh, that bothered me actually a little bit right there. He meant OCD. 
Um, but you got to put it in order if you're OCD. That actually bothered me. I don't know. I mean, he's never done that to me before. Um, I, was just I wasn't ready for that. Okay. So what, what he's also talking about is, is taking that pressure off. I like to, um, I mean, it's not even I like to. The, the, the mere fact of the matter is everything we do must be heavenly inspired. We, we shouldn't be looking to cold play for the, our next set design. We need to say, okay, God, what do you want to do in this church right now? And then eventually Coldplay is going to be looking to the church. If we, if we get back to the, the brass facts of our history line, like who were the forerunners of creativity in those days? It was the Christians of literature, music, everything. It was the Christians. What's happened? We, we've put this pressure on ourselves rather than saying, okay, let's just be heavenly inspired. Let's, let's not worry about what the world's doing, but what does God want us to do? And Coldplay's a band, if you didn't, for some of Sorry. you that maybe aren't 20 years old. If Pe- you didn't Petra? Know that. Is that? Petra? Petra. Petra. They're, they were a Christian band. Well, it, they, they still, still had sense. big production. What was a band back in some of your days that was cool? News Carmen, okay, come go. on. Where, the champion Where are my there. Christians at? Okay, Carmen. That's what I grew up on. Hey, uh, I want to do this real quick. I, I want to pray. Because now we want to dive deep into some of the things that we've actually done, give you some examples, and hopefully maybe start answering some of your questions. So if I could, I want to open up in prayer now. We've kind of given, given the intro. Jesus, um, you're here. Your spirit dwells in this place. Lord, we are only creative because you're creative. Lord, we are your creation. You are our creator. Um, in your image, Lord, I pray that we reflect your glory and not contain it to ourselves, but reflect it back to you. As you give it to us, we reflect it back to you. That is worship. Um, God, that is um, everything we put together as a church, as, as ministry leaders. And so we pray that you'd inspire us to be who you've created us to be. Only that, to be worshipers of you and all we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. Real quick, before we continue, I want to know who's in the room. That would help us as we are gauging some of the stuff. Just yell out, uh, I'm a deacon, I'm a youth pastor, I'm, I'm whatever. Can you shout it out to me? Worship leader? Children? Creative director? Production? Awesome. What else we got? Anybody else? Do we... What is that? Marketing? I thought she said bartending. I was like, wow, we got some forward-thinking churches out here. Next level. Here we go. Okay. We're about to have a prayer session. (laughs) I thought introducing coffee at church was a big leap, but okay. It's good stuff. Okay, cool. We just want to get a little bit of a feel. Uh, We want to talk about um, Sunday mornings, I would say, for any church are the bread and butter. This is what our pastor always teaches us. If a Sunday crashes, the whole church crashes. It's where the money comes in. It's where everything happens, right? Um, Now, we're not all creative pastors. I'm a youth pastor. Like, that is literally my role at the church. Music and leading worship is something we all come to do together. Our guitar player is a kid's pastor. Um, Our bass player moves trees around. You know, we all all come from a different... That was actually truth. He's a professional Uh, beaver. He's a tree trimmer. Yeah, um... Um, his role is actually the film and media pastor, and then like Luke said, he's our creative pastor. So creativity is, it looks a little bit different for all of us. You know, I love the fact on a Wednesday, I'll have different youth come in, and they'll go, oh, looks like a club in here. Because I know immediately I have their attention now. They are immediately mesmerized by what they see. Therefore, as worship goes forward and God's presence enters the room, and I speak God's word their lives are changed. I've seen it with drug addict after drug addict after kids sleeping around after we got a kid grand theft auto went to jail come to the Lord like it's it's crazy because it's the fish hook. Jesus said be fish as a man and our pastors always taught us have a big fish hook as big as you can make that thing be capture people. So we want to talk about Sunday ministry a little bit and I really think everybody I heard so far this could somehow impact um, your ministry. Something that we saw started our church over 10 years ago, I think at this point now, our, our pastor started it. He's sitting like fourth row, by the way. He's just letting us be up here for him. Um, and he's our, our dad as well. Yeah, I, I call him dad usually. Pastor dad. Pastor dad. Guy that signs our check, boss guy. Um, um, but he had this idea to, you know, you got to look at it as a team, you know, synergy, you know, many parts. Um, you by yourself aren't going to have all the ideas. You're going you're gonna to beat your head against the wall. Repeatedly, that's called insanity when you don't try to change something and make it new. You've got to have a team. Um, and so he really established this thought of starting something called 
um, a creative team, which we now call a series team. And I'm going to let Steve break it down. He actually leads our series team. And it's really kind of where we get the next ideas, per se, um, that move through our church. And they, they really branch off from there. We want to talk about how that works. Yeah, so many years ago, maybe 10 or 12 years ago, uh, they saw, he saw this need where he wanted to see, uh, they wanted to start doing more, um, not impacting series, but more, uh, more to it. They just wanted to sort of make it a little bit bigger with each series. And uh, so he brought together what was called the creative team. And what the creative team's job was to do was to um, sit down once a month and they would actually start breaking up um, what the next series could be called. What's our next content? What's the next book of the Bible we're going to look at? What's the next theme we really want to focus on? And then they'd come up with what's the stage design going to be for that, for this series. And then they'd come up with like, how are we going to engage the people with this series? And it fell apart. Like it was horrible. Didn't work at all. The personalities that had, that he had gathered thinking it was going to work well, just tanked. So he stepped back, sort of let it die, let it fizzle out. Took some time, it was a few months, I think, and then started again because the need was still unmet. So he just realized there had to be a different way to do it. Assembled another team, and a core group of that team is still a huge part of that team today, years and years later. And what we've seen is, is what, as we've gotten more involved in what we're doing as a church, right, as we're, as, we're, as we're growing in every aspect of the word, as the things we're doing are becoming more complex, We've seen this need for compartmentalizing in the various aspects of creativity. So now we have what's called a series team. And the series team's job is exclusively to come up with themes for series, content for series, um, preaching ideas. Pastor will sit in, sit in on, on the, the meetings and, and go through it with us, what he's feeling, and sort of get a team to try and bounce ideas with him and guide a little bit of where we're going but exclusively the content of the series. And then we now have a team that deals exclusively with what the stage is going to look like and how we're going to facilitate that and how we're going to pull that off and how do we make it different, you know, seasonally or series to series. And we have what's called an experience team, which their job is exclusively to try and figure out how are we going to engage the people coming into this church? How do we get them to, how do do we get it to stick with them on the way out, what they learn? And and even with that, we will with the experience team prepare takeaways like pastor's done a little bag i think with like a like a little i think it was a seed one time it was was like a little seed he had it because he just preached on it something when they walk away they thinking about what you learned um even in this generation today hashtags Mm -hmm. that seems like simple but it it really it is preaching all week it's the bible happening all week because we teach our people we'll start a series we'll have a screen that might pop up that'll have the hashtag for the series and we usually do like hashtag gwa because our church is gateway assembly something so we were in a series called wise house so gwa wise house was the hashtag and pastor and my mom uh preached the whole series together on the wisdom of the book of proverbs sex dating marriage all that kind of stuff and people you'll see it they're just posting hashtag gwa wise house or we'll do different series where they'll use this hashtag and we're noticing that you can get more out of that sermon. You know, it's like, it's like taking the dollar bill and just stretching it to be something more. It's the same angels singing. It's the same thing with like the hashtag. We really have seen that with the experience team as they prepare. We've done really weird stuff. We've, we've, have you seen the people like in the morph suits where like, their whole body's covered in like the one colored morph suit? We had those out in the middle of a... It was like a... It was another marriage series that we did. And basically these people were in like blue and pink morph suits representing like these amorphous men and women. And they were in these different scenarios, different like funny scenarios of like expectation versus reality. So on one side, there's this this couple and they're having this like beautiful dined meal and they're like all prim and proper, proper and that's the expectation. And then the other side was the reality. You know, you've got the one kid upside down by the leg and the other one's pulling his hair out and the craziness of it. Now, let me speak really quick to that. Um, not every idea is a good idea, right? Pastor didn't like that one. Because that was one of those ideas that, you know, the series team, we get together once a month on a Monday night and then twice, two, twice a year for an entire day. So, like, we'll get a, a summer day and we'll, we'll go to find somebody in the church that has a cabin and that's willing to let us just go camp out there for a day. And we'll try to get ahead for an entire six to nine months to a year on that day on just series ideas. 
But then we'll go on once a month on Monday nights and try to tool out what's the next coming series. You know, try to be a few months ahead. Well, there's times, right, in those meetings where it's just a brilliant idea. This is going to be hilarious. This is going to work so well. And then you go to do it, and you're like, huh. Oops. That was weird. And that's okay, right? As long as you're not destroying property or defaming the name of Jesus or ruining the gospel in some way, it's okay. I, I think we did with those more it, it was so. It was weird. I mean, it was intentionally weird. It was a little too artsy for a redneck uh, city like and we're from. And that's, that's where we live. We, we, it's a blue-collar city, it, you know, like type of people. We hunt like, dirt it, bikes. It was weird. Guns. It yeah. was just weird. But the goal is, the, of the experience team, is to say, okay, they just heard this 45-minute sermon, whatever it is. They just heard this. Most people will forget most of what they heard. They're going to walk away with one golden nugget. We even link up with our social media team to make sure that they have the right quotes and stuff going up because they're going to remember one quote. They're going to remember like really one nugget of what they walk away with. So the experience team, that's just one team that we try to use that as they're walking out, if it's the weird morph people, if it's a hashtag, if it's whatever, they can walk away yeah. somehow remembering and connecting to what just transpired. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if it's your job or not. As, a, as an active member who cares about your church, a great way to facilitate that is to take a message from, or a, a quote from your pastor's message and tweet it. Put it on Facebook. Snap a quick pic during, the mes- during his message. Put a t- tagline with it. Do it yourself. Like, be self-motivated because that is just going to stir somebody else to share it or stir somebody else to go, hey, this is what I got. This is what I pulled out of it. And that was really what the experience team's job is, is to try and facilitate some way to catch you on the way into that sanctuary and on the way out of that sanctuary to remind you of what you're about to learn about and what you learned about last week and what you just heard. How do you apply it to your life? Let's talk a little bit about our series team that they meet once a month with. And... Um, that used to be all the pastors in one room. We tried that for a while, found out it's a bad idea um, because what we've seen is as you get, and to each his own, it's basically Pastor Steve and Pastor, and then it's all volunteers. As some of them are elders or some of them are just different members of the church that you just get together, people that are willing to put the time in and be creative. That's the first part. If people are willing, he never asks us to be qualified. God just asks us to be willing. If people are willing... You'd be surprised what you can get out of people. And um, so they'll start planning for the year. For instance, we'll just talk about 2016 for us. Um, our first series was called This Is Just the Start. And that's really the, like, the vision that Pastor was feeling in his heart for 2016. Man, look what God has done. But this is just the start. Isn't it a cool thought to see wherever you're at, whether you're brand new to Christ or you've been living for Christ for 50 years, this is just the start. You know, we're at this for eternity. Like, this is forever with God. So it's just the start every day. It's just the beginning of what God can do. So we really try to capitalize on that. Usually, um, in end of January, we'll, like, do some sort of financial series to really encourage people the power of giving and what it can do in your life. And then as we hit February, we did the Wise House with, with Pastor and my mom. But then we hit, uh, we're hitting March now into April. Talk a little bit about Easter, the idea that you guys have, what it's going to look like. We're even doing some weird stuff with that, too. Yeah. Again, we'll see if it's a good idea come the day after Easter. Um, we're doing a series starting tomorrow morning called Bloodline. And basically, we had this idea, and we're sitting you know, with the series team, and we're talking through, like, how do we get people to care about the fact that, um, you know, we're the New Covenant Church, right? And I hear that a lot in my generation. Well, yeah, we're not, we're not bound by the Old Covenant. We're the New Covenant Church. And yet, if you open your Bible, like two-thirds of it is the Old Covenant. And yet the, the last third is the only part we're supposed to be living off of? I don't think so. Like, how do we get people to recognize and understand that the Bible contextually as a whole is the inspired word of God? So that's where it started. And basically we're taking week to week, we're explaining tomorrow the covenant that God made. There's, we're taking four unconditional covenants that God made. Tomorrow is the covenant that God made with Adam. Okay, he gave him all this stuff. You know, life's going to be hard. You're going to toil the ground. Your marriage is going to be hurt, painful. You're going to die. Everything's going to die. That was God's promise, right? And then he promised that a seed would come who would crush the head of the serpent. Trying to link together for people the Old Testament significance with the New Testament. Abraham, David, and then the New, the New, Test, or the New Covenant with Jesus. For Easter, we're doing a thing called, or we're calling it transfusion. And the idea that we have right now for, for two videos we're going to shoot. we have not tested this right. yet. This is a 
moving concept right now. We're stewarding the absolute best we can, right? And uh, we're, we're shooting a video with a, a doctor that we know, and just he, he was very involved in, like, DNA research. So he's going to share on camera the significance of the blood. What do we know from the blood? What can be found in the blood just biologically? And then, obviously, there's a lot of implications with that. And then we have an idea that we wanted to take our pastor, go somewhere public, and we're going to set him up with, like, one of those stands that you hang, like, an IV bag off. And uh, in a public place, hang, like, a bag of blood. We'll just, it'll be, like, red liquid corn syrup. Hang a bag of blood and have a little cooler next to him. And he's just going to have a sign that just says, free blood transfusions. I'm clean. <laughs> and we're just going to get people's reactions, right? We're just gonna, he's just going to see if we can try to engage people when they come by. Like, hey, like, can, can I interest you in some blood? Like, do you need any, do you, would you like a transfusion? Now, what are people going to say? No thanks. Yeah, the average person, the Absolutely. one idiot's going to be like, yeah, for sure. And then you pull the needle out and he's like, oh, I got to be somewhere. Uh, but we're really just going to, you know, people are going to be like, no, that's disgusting. They're going to have no interest. And the point is, why wouldn't you want his blood? For all you know, it could have some, he could have some antibody in his blood that could actually heal everything that, you're, that is ailing you. But because you don't know the source of the blood, why on earth would you want to put that substance inside of you? And with Christ, if we don't get to know the source of where the blood's coming from, why on earth would we want to apply it to our life? Because for all we know, it could hurt us. And that's what people think about Christianity. For all we know, it could ruin our fun lifestyle that we have. But if you know the source of the blood, if you understand that that blood could heal everything that ails you, you'd want that transfusion. And I think it makes a good point if we can act. We haven't shot it yet. Who knows? And that's the, I think that's kind of the plight of creative ministry, creative stewardship is you have to be willing to take chances. You have to be willing to risk something. If it's with video, you have to be willing to shoot it and get back and go, nope, can't use that. But we spent three days shooting it. Nope, can't use that. You have to be willing to do that. There's scenes in, in every film that we shoot that get cut and it's, an awful feeling because you remember the days that went into producing that and you can't keep them and you have to be willing to sacrifice whatever is necessary to get to your end result. And in our film breakout that we do too, we're going to talk about everybody in this generation. You can do this. You don't have to have millions of dollars. You don't even have to have thousands of dollars. It's you can do this like this generation with technology. And we're going to talk about that in our, in our film breakout as well. But I want to talk a little bit about, um, stages a little bit too. Um, let's use for instance, because it starts with the series team and they have an idea, but then we have a stage team that flows with that idea. Um, let's talk a little bit about, before you hit some of the stuff you're doing currently, talk about Defiant. Um, because uh, Luke, not only is as our creative pastor, he's our, he's our lead designer in our church too. Um, and so whenever we're branding something, we're trying to make it sure it's something people remember. Like if you were to stop by our our table, there's, there's little cards. Come pick one up. We'd love to just take it to you. There's little bracelets. With our movie Defiant, you'll notice when you read Defiant, you'll see that the eye is slashed. It's italicized. Well, it's, in, it's intentionally there to get your attention. And we branded this slash to be a lot of things. And talk a little bit about the stage, the slash, just, and then let's move into the stage team as well. Yeah. Um, basically, I met with this guy when this whole film was just a concept. And he noticed the eye was right in the middle of the word. So he wanted to do something, you know, to replace the eye. And the original working idea... I had a lot of bad ideas. It was a backpack. I had a lot of bad ideas. So people were going to read Deaf Backpack Ant. And I was like, okay, let's work a little harder and come up with something heavenly inspired. Collaboration <laughs> is necessary. So um, I kind of had this idea of simply what if we just italicize the eye? Uh, it actually fits with the A even better that way, and, you know, it can sneak under uh, the F, and it'll be perfect. Um, and then it, it just kind of, like, dawned on us, though, like, the I was going against the grain of all the other letters. And it made this statement of, uh, what, what was the verse, Romans? Romans 12. Ro Romans 12. Um, Not to be conformed. Just don't, don't conform to the patterns of the world. And, and to be in the world and not of it. And uh, that I just became a staple, not only in the film uh, as a marketing scheme, but as a complete uh, salvation item of, of our church. Uh, something people could hang on to, like we've talked about uh, previously in this session of 
we, throughout the week? How, how do we take this message throughout the week? Because not everyone in your congregation is a pastor. They don't know how to preach a message. So how do they start a conversation? And that, that became something really key in that series and now in that film um, of, of just a conversation starter of, of people just saying, I'm defiant. Yeah, and so something, You're crazy. You know, then we, they can explain it. Something that we did is we made these stencils. And they were able to, you were able to like fill in the stencil, so you would actually make a black slash on your wrist. So as you're going through every day, and I, I, I wore one for two weeks, and this suddenly at the very end of service, everybody could just go get them. I wore it for two weeks, and people ask you, "What? What is that? Did you get a tattoo? No, it, it's just like a mark I made. It means I am defiant." Okay, what is that? And we had a little card that we gave everybody, and it has three reasons why I'm defiant. I'm defiant because I will not bow down to the enemy schemes. I'm defiant. It goes down, and at the very end, it says, share your testimony. And so what we did is we took that slash, and we, we used it for the stage. We used it for everything, really, to make it known to people that when you, like, you could literally just see the slash now, anybody in our church, in our community, in our area. We did a huge premiere with the uh, movie, and tons of people came. People see just the slash. They don't even have to redefine anymore, and they will understand what defiant means just by seeing the slash. And it's taking, like, something small like that, even with the stage I, that you did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we, with the premiere, it just reminded me, one of my favorite moments of that premiere uh, was the countdown going into the film. It goes three, two, one, and it slowly turns into the slash, and everyone's freaking out. I was like, that felt really cool. I was like... <laughs> um, but uh, with the stage, we actually took um, LED light bars, uh, the Chauvet color rails, and took Unistrut, built the structure, hung it, and then just posted nine of them on the same angle as the slash. And then uh, we were able to control all of those with our lighting board and make cool patterns with, with lighting sections and everything like that. But it was just, it was there for two months straight of, of during worship, during the message, just a, a complete aesthetic uh, as our backdrop. And light, like lighting and stage sets in this generation are so important. They really, they really are. So, for instance, we came in this room, and as beautiful as this organ was, when we came in, it was bare. Before you laid down all the, the, the instruments and the screens, and they added all the aesthetic lighting and, and the movers on the ground, it was just bare. There was really nothing to it. But the minute you look around, you start seeing the nice little blue going up the wall and stuff. It just gives you this feeling of comfort, like, ooh, this is nice. People don't even know really how to explain it, but stage uh, is huge, and you've really started to develop the stage team. Yeah. Um, real quick, let's just do a poll. In your church, raise your hand if you use any sort of conventional or traditional lighting, like these ellipsoidals or uh, the house lights that we're running right now. Anybody have those? You have just light bulbs, at least, Yeah. Cool. Um, so raise your hand if you use any sort of LED lighting. Yeah? And then one step further, like these intelligent lights, anything with a robotic head, you know, a mover, anything like that. Anyone ha- use anything like that? Yeah? A few of us? Um, so I will say those are the three tiers of, of lighting as far as expense-wise. Um, I, I generally uh, lean towards the bottom two because um, I've, I've started to find that you can make an incredible-looking set piece with very little money. Um, it, it doesn't need to be crazy moving lights and, and lasers, and uh, we save that for Wednesday nights in the youth group. That's fun. Um, but uh, what, you can, what you can accomplish with very little budget is actually astonishing. And, and that's what I want to talk about real quick is, is literally all of you can do this. Um, I, I, was, <laughs> I was going before the Lord and I was like, Lord, can't there be a place on the internet where I can find all these church stage design ideas.com? LOL. It's a real place. Church stage design ideas.com. Um, if you go to that website, they list what they did for their church, uh, they list how much it cost, and then better yet, they list how they made it, and then they show you how to do it yourself. And uh, what, it, what it started doing for me is, is helping me think outside the box of, of, I don't have to buy lights. I could just buy everyday materials from Home Depot that are just kind of reflective and then shoot a light at it. 
Like uh, right now, uh, Bloodline, the design for Bloodline that's starting tomorrow is it's, it's a typeface for there's Bloodline in front. And then the background is actually, uh, I wanted to do blood, but I didn't want it to look gory. So I used uh, like a magenta red smoke. Um, and it's just like this puffing smoke. So I wanted to emulate that on the stage. So what I did was I bought a, a 100-foot roll of screen door material. Like, everyone know what I'm talking about? Like a window screen, just bright aluminum. And I, I, I cut it into 20-foot sections. And then we hung it. Uh, me, me and uh, the team, we hung it from the ceiling. And then we just kind of grabbed at it and crinkled it. And so then as it dangled, we shot lights from underneath. It looks kind of like smoke. It's actually, it turned out really cool. And uh, so I don't think they even know that's why I did it. They were just like, oh, cool, aluminum screening. I was, cool. I was, I trying, to, cool. I was trying to make smoke. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's just learning to think outside the box of simple ideas like that. The other, the other aspect to our, our set design that we just finished installing before we came here uh, literally yesterday, and then we just took off for Ohio. Let's go. Um, we, we're using conventional clamp lights. Uh, hooked up to a DMX box. And so now we can control each one of the clamp lights. We have an array right now of 16 of them. And we can control each of the brightness individually. So we can make them do any sort of different strobe patterns, any sort of video effects, really. It's, it's, it's a one-color video wall, if, if that makes sense. Um, so another thing, when I say DMX, do we know what that is? Is, is anyone in here familiar with that? Probably not. A couple of the, the production guys. Um, so when you say clamp lights, you're talking about like the lights that I'm you literally put over, like, talking about chickens, the lights right? that like people use to like do construction work, yeah. like the ten dollar clamp lights. That's that's what I used. Um, so DMX is is a binary protocol. Uh, the the way to break that down from nerdology is we have German, we have Spanish, we have English, we have all these different languages. DMX is the language that the lights use to talk to the lighting board back and forth. Um, and and does that, does that kind of clear it up? So it's just a fancy term, really. Um, but if you want to learn more about that, uh, you can talk to my good friend Google. DMX 101 or Learn DMX Lighting, anything like that. I just did the search before I came out here to make sure it worked. And <laughs> I found a ton of web pages that taught the complete basics. So I'm not going to waste, you know, the kids' pastor's time with this right now um, because, hey, you know. kids' pastors like lights too. Come well, on. I, well that, that's the other thing is, is it, our, our kids' pastor, uh, me and him are actually taking off this, this coming Thursday to Minnesota to check out a, a bigger church who their production blows me away. And so I want to learn from them. And so I said to him, hey, you're going to be building, you know, a new, he's renovating the kids' room right now. And I was like. I'm stretched pretty thin. You might want to learn this stuff yourself. So we're, we're taking off to Minnesota uh, on Thursday to learn more. So across the board, from production leads to kids directors, this is applicable to everyone. Um, but learning DMX and uh, uh, establishing some sort of DMX system in your church allows you to do uh, anything from conventional lighting to intelligent lighting and at, at an affordable rate to... We even, uh, they make like the, like Blizzard is one of the companies that makes them. They're like a puck light. They're really just they're like that tall and they're about this big. We even mounted a bunch of them on our ceiling mm-hmm. for lighting. So we control that DMX. So we've had different sermons where like a, a storm sound effect will hit and the whole room will just go and chase. So you feel like you're in a storm and you kind of just strobe them. And so like once you like figure out DMX, it literally translates to everything that can, can, can go on a stage. I think one of the coolest, like, breakthroughs you can find is in light tape. I think that's one of the easiest yeah. and simplest breakthroughs. So um, we, but before, we, we built this, this cross this one time. Uh, it was a three-dimensional cross out of plexiglass. Uh, it was, that was kind of pricey. I, I, I was, but it was really cool. <laughs> and, and then we lined it with LED tape uh, made by Elation. And it was like a hundred and twenty dollar uh, LED tape, really expensive. I was ticked. I spent eight hundred dollars on this cross. That's leading into. What and and then I did some Google searching, ticked. and I found out that the exact same LED tape that you find on Amazon for fifteen dollars does the same thing. 
And so, youth pastor here. I didn't know. I just love students. I just want to teach students about Jesus. That's all I know. So he built a cool cross, but then I found out later, hey, we could have like cut that price in a quarter. Sweet. So I, that's what I did for all of my later stuff, and so my budget was killing it. Um, so uh, something really cool with with lighting tape. That church stage design ideas website. There's a ton of, you can literally filter the category of just uh, light tape, anything like that. And there's a ton of ideas where they'll show you what they used it for, wh- where they bought it from, and then what components, what other tools and instruments you'll need to make it work. And the, the bottom line is each roll comes with five meters of LED tape. It's $15. A power supply costs $12, any sort of like 12-volt and 5-amp power supply. And then you'll need a DMX decoder, which is $25. And so you get a lot of light for very little money. And um, what's cool about that is you, you find yourself then being able to build shapes and build items that you've never been able to create before. And um, a big staple in our creative ministry is being a creative community. And so um, being in a, a redneck town, we did this series called This Heart Loves, and we wanted to build the logo of the series really huge on the stage. It was this very uh, low polygon heart and, you know, very uh, not just jagged lines. It wasn't a curved heart. And it was, it was a very unique looking heart. And I was, I wanted to create that on the stage and I didn't know how to make it being in a redneck town. Everybody knows how to weld except us. (laughs) And so um, one of our deacons actually is a steel worker and he built us this, I, I measured out, out, and that's the other thing, starting a creative community in your church, be very, um, give, give the people exactly what they need from you. I measured out those angles and those lengths to point tenths of every degree and every 36th of an inch. Like, I, I mapped it out on the computer, so I gave him a blueprint, and he was like, I love you. I just punched this into my CAD program, and we're good to go. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but sweet, see you next week. Like, and so he built us this heart, and this is the beauty that, that the Lord has given us of using people in your church. It didn't cost us anything um, because he built it, and he drove this super heavy heart over to our—that that's sounds like a good song, uh, a super heavy heart. A country, uh, country song. Yeah, that, that's it. Um, Put in my pickup truck. <laughs> over to the church, dropped it off, and I was like, thanks so much, Kevin. Like, what, what's the damage? Like, what do I owe you? He goes, oh, don't worry about it. I was like, what? He goes, I was just, you know, it's a donation. No worries. Tax season's coming up. I was like, are you serious right now? He's like, yeah, it's just a contribution. And so I'm not saying that every time you use someone from your church, you're going to get something free. But I am because you could get a free heart or you could get free help. Utilize the people in your church because you're going to get free ideas, free knowledge, and a free perspective that could show you something that you may not have seen. Like we were just installing this new stage, I was saying, this, this week. And I was having this 15, or no, he's 16, 16-year-old kid help me out. His name's Ethan. And, and I was trying to figure out how to get this aluminum screen to hang from the ceiling correctly. And he was like, well, what, what if we just like did this and he like pointed this thing out and I was like oh like it was really obvious but I was so stuck in the project I wasn't seeing it and then this 16 year old pointed out and made me look like a fool and I was like cool well this is what I'm paid to do and you just showed me up but let's do it I think that's that's a good point sort of the last thing I'll say is maybe you're never gonna understand DMX. Maybe you're that person, right? Maybe when he said DMX like five times, you still have run DMC written down on your paper. Maybe you're that person, okay? That's okay. That's okay. Maybe you're never gonna understand video codex and you're never, you're just, you're never gonna get it. That's okay because there are people in your church that desperately want to learn this stuff, that are learning it in their bedrooms with their doors closed, that have absolutely no application to apply their knowledge that you can empower and give them a vision and maybe whatever you can scrounge up for resources and you can make, you could see the craziest things come to light. We, we have this young adult, I'm the young adults pastor that's basically been learning uh, a program that we use to make music for years, just locks himself away for hours, like days on end. And all of a sudden we're realizing that he knows how to do this and he's been doing this forever. Well, now we're 
putting him to work, right? We're, we're, we're giving him opportunities to, to grow and to use this knowledge. And you can be that person that gives vision to your church to, you know, if you don't understand what DMX is, find somebody in that 15 to 25 age bracket and tell them to learn it. Like, seriously, look for the kid with glasses and he'll pick it up real fast. There I are wear people, contacts. There are people in your church that are capable of these things, whether you are or not. I don't think pastor understands the ins and outs of DMX, right? But he commissions a vision to people in his body, the body that God's given him to be able to learn and apply these things. And that's what I was going to really say is, um, you know, sometimes we let money hold us back. Sometimes we let time hold us back. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not creative enough. You really just have to have a vision to want it to happen. And God will provide everything you need for it to happen. You have to believe that it's possible. You have to believe that God will provide the money. Like, that's what we've seen. Like, over and over again, like, we started, budget was nothing for this, nothing. And then slowly, it just, like, where we have budgets now for stage. We have budgets for films. We have budgets for things where we used to have no money. And now, even though we have a budget, being a good steward of something is not spending the $800 to make the cross with light tape. You spend the $15 on each strand. See, if I had known that, that's what I would have, what I'd done. But it's even if we have money, does that change the fact that we're not so, still supposed to be good stewards? It's really about you having the vision to make it happen. We've done crazy things. Like we did a series called Television. Tell a vision. And like the whole two months, we had each minister of our church come up and share their vision of their ministry. We built, I don't even know how big, it was like... 13 feet tall. It was 13 by like 12 feet an old school television out of styrofoam and the screen of it was like see-through like, like a scrim, a scrim. mesh scrim and where we had it lit up from behind where we did skits in the television behind but we also projected to the front of it and made it a television we did a series called hands of god we made giant hands like like as big as yao ming if you know that basketball player i mean like giant hands and like even at the end of that like when 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 it was pierced, we made huge, huge nails. We pierced it and blood dripped on Easter Sunday out of it. Like, you can do weird stuff. You can have big ideas. It's really about creating a community that will help you do it and having a vision for it. Like, our youth team, I have Creative 7. I, I can't survive without these guys, like, putting into it. One of my guys is a farmer. One of my guys is a tree, tree mover. Like, one of my girls, you know, cleans. Like, okay, their occupations aren't creative, but they are Full, because you know what you know what Farmer Dave does. He sits in that tractor all season long, working, and he's just sitting there writing down ideas. Because he feels so passionate that he gets to be a part of something bigger than himself. If you have the vision to lead it, God will give you every other thing that you need to make it happen. And so we we do want to leave a little bit of time here for questions. If you don't have any questions, we'll just keep talking and fill the space. But we would love to, in any way we can, address any questions you have. Anybody out there? You have anything you want to throw at us? Raise a hand and shoot it out. No? Yeah. You attach it to a a dimmer. So, like, all of these conventional lights are attached to a DMX dimmer pack. And all it does, it looks like a giant box that's a power strip. And you plug in... Like how you would into just the a wall. Bunch of outlets. Yeah, you plug it in how you would into the wall, and then you plug in DMX cables into the the dimmer pack, and then it allows you to change each channel like that. Yeah. Anybody else? I got one more thought that just popped in my head. You got one? Start having a lot of babies. Really push that. Have a sex and dating uh, series. I, I, would, I would say this. Um, part of our series, This Is Just the Start, was to encourage older people that this is still just the start of what God wants to do for your life. Um, I, I really don't think there's an end to the creativity. I think people, my mom, she's like, what, 53 or something now, but she always goes. Twenty five. I shouldn't have said that. She's like, man, my brain, she's not here. Like, she, she always goes, man, my brain just isn't what it used to be. What I find interesting is that she's on the series team. She's probably one of the biggest contributors Absolutely. to 
the sermons that take place at our church. They'll, they'll help come up with every, every element. And I don't really think there's an end to the age. I think, it's, I think it's a mindset. And obviously I'm not there yet, so I can't speak to it. But I think it starts with whoever is in this room. When you go back, you have to have the vision. You got to get with your pastor, or if you are the pastor, whatever it is for your ministry, you got to get a team together. And I'll encourage this. You should use all ages to the best that you can. On like even our series team, we got younger, a little bit older. On every team, we try to do that because you don't want a church just full of young people. It's called a youth group. You don't want, you don't want a church just full of old people. It's called a cemetery. You need to have every, you need to have to the best of your ability. I didn't have a filter on that one, sorry. To, to the best of your ability, you, we got to, we all, that's something we say at our church. We all need each other. Pastor always says the young, you need to learn from the old. And the old, you need to learn from the young. Like we need to always have the mindset, this is just a start. Like for that series, for instance, when we were coming to like our big Sunday, like our big vision Sunday, I mean, we had confetti cannons launching. We had lights moving. We wrote a song specifically that like for that series. And we just did whatever we could to celebrate what God's doing. I think we don't celebrate enough as, a, as churches and as people of God what God's doing. We always look at, oh, man, this ain't happening in our church, or, oh, our, our growth isn't like this, or, oh, let's, let's just celebrate what he has done. Let's just be excited about what God has done. Have vision in that, and you'll really see him start to move. Something that I was going to say is you can have a stage team, and you can have a series team, and you can have all these different teams, but if they don't work together, it doesn't work. It has to be a community of creative people that all feed off one another. For instance, we did a series called The Tree. And throughout the whole series, we preached on different stories in the Bible that there was a tree. For instance, Zacchaeus. You know, like, uh, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he, right? Thank you. You're singing with me. I appreciate it. Um, And what that did is it started with our series team having the idea. But then from that, it went to our stage team that had to begin coming up with, okay, we can preach on a tree. What prop do you think we wanted on stage? A giant tree. So out of styrofoam, you can even, we looked them up. They're 50 bucks. You can buy something called a hot knife. You buy big chunks of styrofoam, and with a hot knife, you can just cut it, and you can form it. And we had a guy that was doing that, and we built this giant tree, probably as big as all three of us, and it was round, and the branches went up, and we just painted it, and it just looked like a tree. We, on the backside, we built a strong enough structure. What do you think Zacchaeus did? He climbed the tree. And we, we built, we just made it funny. It was a funny joke. I was Jesus, and I had an angel bring me out a guitar at one point, and he had a big afro, so it was funny. And um, When he asked him for a, a pick, he... A guitar pick. He pulled, pulled a pick out of his hair. Pulled a pick out of his hair. Donovan, my boy Donnie. And, uh, and, you know, Zacchaeus was climbing the tree, and he found Jesus, and we did the whole skit. And then Easter Sunday, just like it speaks in the book of Deuteronomy, how anyone that, who is, like, nailed to a, like a tree is cursed, um... Jesus got up and he actually hung on the tree that year. Rather than a cross, he hung on, on the tree and he died. Well, that week, as all of our teams were working together and the communication was taking place, we were like, huh, pastor had this idea. You got to have the resurrection scene. We realized that we were able to split the tree in half at the very end of the service after Jesus died. I literally had to go get all the blood off me. I got in like my white, you know, my white get up and at a certain point, we had these elations, which are just moving lights there with gobo, which is like a cool spread of a light. They were back there, and they were spinning behind the tree. And the tree at a certain point opened up, and I came out singing this, like, this tag I had written about you know, the grave and overcoming and whatever it was. And the tree opened up, and Jesus walked out of the tree. It was a pretty cool moment. It was probably top five where you look at, like, that was pretty cool. But if we were to only look at that and say, whoa, cool, that's what we did, and never say, what are we going to do, it becomes discouraging. What I like to do is celebrate the wins of what we've done and get excited about what we can do. And really, it all works together. You've got to have a community, like, like they were saying, you've got to have teams that share ideas. Um, our kids pastor, we bounce ideas with the youth all the time. Even though I might not do some of the cheesy stuff he does with the kids, with the youth, I learn from that. Whatever your ministries are, whatever your teams are, learn from each other. Bounce ideas off each other. Encourage each other. It's a, it's a discouraging work when you constantly are banging your head against the wall and you're trying to figure out where to go next. Encourage what you see in each other that's great. Encourage the vision that you see in place. Encourage who each other is in Christ. We need that, guys. That's synergy. That's what it's all about. It's the unity of God's church. And so as you do that, you'll really see the best of what God has for you.
um, coming to pass. If there's not any more questions, I don't want to cut anybody out. Yeah, one more question. Start with a team. Start, you compartmentalize the more you grow. Uh, start with whatever you can make happen, do it, and expect very little um, perfection. Start as small as, or start as big as you can make it and make it as good as you can make it. And then the next time, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have any young people in your church and you are going to be the person learning DMX. Well, don't expect a Coldplay light show your first time. But the more you do it, the more you can learn, the more you can progress, the more God's going to honor that and the more he's going to bring people along that see, hey, that's really cool what you're doing in this grassroots cheap thing. I want to be a part of that and you'll slowly start seeing it grow. Yeah, and... And when we did the tree, that was at our old building. We just built a new building two and a half years ago. So building that tree in this building when the stages are like 30 feet high in the new... Wasn't going to happen. It'd be a lot different. Yeah. There are some things that you can do in smaller churches that just look really mm-hmm. cool. And that tree was also free. Different guy, but yeah. also free. Yeah. You get I, passion in people, and they want to give what they can. Yeah. I saw a hand over here. Yeah. Um, we give out earplugs. Yeah. No, we, we, we have earplugs in our seats. We don't try to run it too loud where it's like we're trying to put on a rock show. We want it full. Like in, in this room today, I, I had inners in, so I don't know for sure, but hopefully it sounded full. That's like the, that's the goal. But if people find it too loud, we just encourage them, hey, there's earplugs. Because in, in, the end, they're, in the end, you're coming for a community. You're coming to be encouraged by a pastoral team, by people that will come around you. And if you really create that culture and there is a little bit of compromise you'll you'll find that people aren't going to leave your church simply just because all it was too loud if you minister to their need like you're you're in worship right so if you minister to that need um you will see that people they will stay we have tons of elderly people at our church and we move lights and we do big music and it was i'll tell you it was a slow progression to get there it took, we've been at this church now, pastor, uh, we moved, uh, he was the youth pastor at his dad's church, and now I'm the youth pastor at his church, and we were, we were there for 17 years, now we've been here for 18 years. Those numbers are important because it shows you that it takes a lot of time to develop something. If you're thinking that you're going to do this in a year, it ain't going to happen. Like, it takes time to know the community, to create the community, and to show the people that you know, it's not, we're not saying, hey, we want to move all the lights more than we want elderly people here. It's showing, we want elderly people here. Let me explain to you why we want yeah. to move. We, we teach our people. This is why we move the lights, because it will attract a younger generation. But at the same time, I'll bust out it as well with my soul. And I got Grandma Josephine coming up to me. Oh, you just touched my heart today. You know, like, so whatever I got to do, Paul, think, Paul said what? Be all things to mm-hmm. all men. And you've got to find that, find that line. It's different for every church, but it takes time as you create that yeah, community. I think a lot of that, too, real quick, is just intentionality. Not doing anything for the sake of someone else did it, or even for the sake that it looks cool. If you have a creative idea, whether, you want, whether anyone else understands, nobody's going to look at that slash and go, oh, Romans 12, do not conform to the patterns. I get it. No, but the creative behind it was intentional, and there was a reason behind it. There was passion and vision behind what they were doing. And if you do that, even... If they don't get the overt message, they will get the undercurrent of what you're trying to put forward. And I, I'm looking at the time here. I know some of y'all got to go to your next stuff. Um, if you have any questions, we would love to talk with you at our table or even just here right now. We'd love to just um, encourage you and just hear even your ideas. We're here to learn too, guys. We're not experts. I don't think there's ever a point where anybody can say they're an expert. I don't think there's ever a point where anybody says, well, I've arrived. I know everything now. We've got to learn from each other. That's what synergy is. So if I could pray, is it cool? Can I pray over you before you leave? Just pray over your ministries, over your churches. Jesus, thank you so much uh, for these people that have come here. God, we pray over the state of Ohio. We pray over all of these churches. We pray over these leaders and these ministries. God, we pray that there would be uh, a community and a culture that begin to be created of creativeness. Because God, as you are our creator, we look to you because you are our source. God, we look to heaven because we get everything 
from where you walk as God. And I, I pray that, Lord, as you enter our hearts and as your spirit comes and dwells among us, I pray that each one as they walk out of here, God, they would feel encouraged, they would feel refined, they'd, they'd just feel like they could just go with a passion and the vision you've given them. And, Lord, they could spark the next thing in their church. I just pray, God, for a, an awakening, God, for the young and the old alike in each of these churches. I pray for many that would come to know the gospel through this creative expression because this ain't about showing off. This is about showing people Jesus. And so I pray that however it looks with whatever ministry it is, kids up to the oldest, God, whether it's the lights or the songs or the production, whatever it is, God, we pray that every single detail, um, that we wouldn't put so much um, pressure on ourselves to have the next thing, but we would just put uh, a certain encouragement upon ourselves today to look to you, Jesus, to be our only thing. God, not the next thing, but you are one thing. And so we look to you today, and uh, Lord, we give you all the praise. Be with us the rest of this day. Bless the food or whatever else we're going to partake of the rest of the day. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it.